Hello and welcome back to the Sleep Like a Baby podcast. I'm your host Hannah and I'm an infant sleep consultant as well as a mum living and working in South East London. Okay, so regular listeners will know that I am now, oh my goodness, very pregnant with my second child. Uh, in fact, I just realised today that I can now say that I'm having the baby next month. Although, of course, it being a baby, it might not come next month. It might well be a couple of weeks late, which is fine. But anyway, I am in the final seven weeks now. And so I've been thinking a lot about how do I practically, but most importantly, I think mentally and emotionally prepare for life as a mum as two. And so this is a very uh, vulnerable, real, raw episode for me. I um, I definitely have nerves and concerns and fears around a new baby, as well as excitement and a general feeling of just enormous gratitude and, and um, positivity. But I suppose that is motherhood isn't it it is feeling two things at once it's being the happiest you've ever been whilst being (laughs) feeling the most challenged or the most touched out it's missing your child like crazy and it's also desperately needing some space and some time for yourself it's that ambivalence so I suppose yeah with any big transition or change it's going to be a lot to process in the run-up and so I wanted to do an episode anyway about second babies life with two or three or four and I knew that my very very good friend Lucy Bagwell who you may know as second star to the right sleep on Instagram would be the perfect person to talk about this we've actually been discussing this episode for about a year now. <laughs> um, I think we started talking about this time last year because Lucy was herself very pregnant with her second child and um, something so nice about having these conversations with someone that you're really close with but also happens to be a sleep consultant and happens to be a mum of two. So that was, um, yeah, I've lucked out there. And here we go. I think yeah like I say it's a very raw and personal episode for myself and for Lucy as well and I do feel slightly awful for making her cry at one point but I think it's really important that we have these conversations and that we talk about all the the challenges and the highs and everything in between um so I hope you find this episode as helpful and reassuring as I did it certainly put my mind at ease oh and because it is it was such a long chat and because Lucy and I are such good friends and we're both talkers I had to put this into two parts so in this week's episode we're talking a lot about the the process of becoming a second time mum and some of the challenges around things like the four month sleep progression or our expectations of how our relationships might change our friendships um splitting yourself in two for both of your children all of those things and then in next week's episode I'll play part two where we talk a bit more practically about life with two so Lucy shares how she does solo bedtimes with two children and we talk about yeah some of the more day-to-day um troubleshooting issues and this is I guess the emotional preamble to that episode thanks for listening and as ever any review subscription um or just rating that you can give us on this pad- on the on the podcast means so much it helps more people see it. it helps our ranking so to everyone that leaves a review or rates us thank you so much it really does make a difference the sleep like a baby podcast is supported by the octopus club the online marketplace where you can buy, sell and give away baby and kid stuff without any hassle. If your home is piling up with toys, clothes and bits of kit that your little one no longer uses, the Octopus Club offers an easy, environmentally friendly way of selling or donating things to other families. And if you're on the hunt for high quality second hand goods, this is the place for you. Honestly, the stuff on there is gorgeous. 
Check them out on Instagram or go straight to their website, theoctopusclub.com, to sign up today. Okay, so I just want to say a very big welcome back to the one and only Lucy Bagwell to the Sleep Like a Baby podcast. Hi, Lucy. Thank you for having me again. Oh, it's such a treat. Um, For people who may not know, Lucy and I are um, have become very good friends thanks to this podcast, I think. That was the first time we ever spoke was back in, what, 2021? Well, yeah, maybe that was the first time we properly, properly spoke to each other. Yeah, I mean, I'd, we'd messaged a lot and stuff, and I, um, I, yeah, we liked each other, I think. But then on, on that first episode, which people can listen back to, it is the it's sort of a beautiful friendship. <laughs> I love it. We liked each other, I think. <laughs> yeah, like, I think we weren't we weren't sure yet. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like a first date. But anyway, but here we are, and we are now. Um, yeah, you've been incredibly supportive and um, a great friend to me over the last couple of years. So. Um, and I always love hearing your insights and expertise into infant sleep. So yeah, no, I love it. And and how and where, where how far we've come. Now I've got two, and you're about to have two. I know, I know. Life was simpler back then. How are you feeling? Um, I'm feeling okay today. I'm like tired and big and heavy. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and you know, I've got a few physical gripes, as all pregnant women do, but. In the grand scheme of things, I think it could be worse. So I'm I'm okay. <laughs> good, good. I mean, I always felt like we're always like, oh, it could be worse. It could be worse. We were sort of feel bad for for just moaning about it. But I I'm I'm very into just leaning into being like I feel massive or <laughs> like and just yeah, just getting it off my chest. But maybe that's just me. No, it's good. No, you're right. We do that. We do that. We minimize a lot, don't we? And um and say oh it's fine it's fine but but actually it, I would say genuinely right now today it is okay so I'll I'll go with that no that's good it's good yeah <laughs> also gotta uh, celebrate when there isn't when you're not moaning right <laughs> absolutely 100% I feel like it's important to sort of note that to everyone that we were meant to do this last week but I was literally too tired <laughs> yeah so how are you tell us how you're doing I'm all right. I'm all right. So my second, um, so if anyone doesn't know at all, my my first is four and a half and my second is now just eight months. Um, And I definitely feel like we're out of the the real woods of that first bit with the baby and the sleep. So it's not that sleep is by any means perfect. It's very up and down, very changeable. But I feel like I'm not in a, in a desperate place but like I said you know obviously you know put me back a week ago we had uh the beginning the beginning of the three to two nap transition and so we went we had a few days before I realized oh this is what's happening where basically he woke up uh, he would wake through the night and then wake up at 4 30 for the day and that just becomes obvious say the obvious such a long day um and it just wears you down but for anyone that cares, I think we're day, I don't know, maybe five of two naps and he's waking close to seven. Way. So it's a it's such, such a big shift. And that was only cutting, I mean, the afternoon nap was normally like what, 40 minutes? So cut 40 a 40 minute nap, but we've gained two and a half hours overnight. I'm very, very happy for you. And I'm <laughs> you, you almost sounded like I'm scared to jinx it, Lucy. I'm very superstitious. No, I know, and I know we shouldn't talk about when they're when they're when they're sleeping well. But I I feel like this wasn't because sometimes children just start sleeping better, and that's when it's scary to say something. But I feel like this was a very direct reaction to me making shifts, and um, it's something I do speak to people about how in terms of uh, shifting amounts of sleep, it's not always sort of like half an hour for half an hour. So it wasn't like oh, I cut half an hour nap and we gained half an hour. It was by increasing that sleep pressure and completely rejigging the timings. Actually, we got to the optimal, whereas we were at a sort of sub-optimal level because it wasn't right. Anyway, good story. <laughs> For anyone that's interested as well, is is your baby sleeping through the night? I'd love to say yes. <laughs> what I will say is he has done 
two or three times over the over the months not near the beginning I have I can comfortably say I have never been gifted the newborn that does that thing where in the first couple of months they 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 build up and they sleep through within those first few months and then for a lot of people obviously around ish that four month time whenever you know the sleep cycles change and then it changes them and it gives them a horrible shock <laughs> um I never had the horrible shock because I never had <laughs> the good bit at the beginning yeah um but he's he's I mean right now he's not a terrible sleeper he's not a he's not a fantastic sleeping through the night sleeper but I feel like where he's at is manageable um and we've got a nice we've got a nice sort of rhythm going where it's not like a rigid um schedule in terms of timings in the day um neither to timings nor to wake windows I've got a roundabout wake windows that I know that he's sort of like kind of happy with uh but there is flex both with me sometimes leading it because we're doing something and sometimes he just clearly is fine or clearly is tired earlier but we've got enough of a rhythm where I'm feeling quite comfortable in what we're doing I feel quite comfortable making plans and and knowing what's happening and that that's good um and the nights are not terrible right now but they have been we have had periods of really really bad yeah I know I just when you were saying he's now sleeping to seven I just felt like it was only fair to clarify that that does not mean you're saying good night to him at seven and closing the door and then seeing him in the morning <laughs> yeah oh no sorry yeah yeah I should have clarified that we saw we 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 said hi to each other a few times. <laughs> it kind of goes without saying that an eight month old would need some support in the night, but I you never know. There's some crazy ideas out there, aren't there? No, and still, I mean, I still, you know, even people that that follow me and 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 digest all of the information that I put on Instagram, and mo- you know, most people that follow me also follow you, so they're getting a double whammy of sort of like similar stuff. I still get messages being like. Why is my why isn't my eight month old seven month old nine month old sleeping through? I'm, I'm everyone's telling me they should be sleeping through. So even and that's why some, sometimes I feel like am I repeating myself with you know sometimes in terms of content or what's going out into the world? But I'm like it does it it still needs to be said over and over again because it's so deeply penetrated the expectations. And I think one of the best things for me experience wise this time around compared to last time around was understanding what's normal this time and therefore not feeling like my baby is broken or I am a huge massive repugnant failure of a mother um and taking that pressure off now it does not mean you're sleeping more necessarily but my gosh it makes you less stressed yeah that's that's really lovely to hear and reassuring yeah you might get a unicorn I've got this in my head (laughs) I think this is no babies in my family do not sleep it's just a fact and that's fine (laughs) they're normal babies essentially (laughs) that's right I'll cut I'll cut I'll come around and hold the baby for you yeah um so but okay, let's start with okay. So obviously, we're here to talk about second babies and your experience and um, what what do you wish? I suppose if you could take yourself back to this time last year, what do you wish you'd known? Or actually, do you feel like you were you were going into the the experience with your eyes quite wide open? And it's really interesting because I've been thinking about this a lot. And there isn't like a standout, like what I wish I'd known this time around that's really shocked me in a negative way. Um, And that's not me saying that everything's been really easy or that I've loved every minute or that I, yeah, or that I found it every minute straightforward, not at all. But I don't know that anything I found really difficult um, was a shock it was a shock to the system <laughs> again, because I think even like I said, you know, even when you know something's normal and, and you've done it before as well and all those different things, um, 
and but even though I've obviously never had two children before you know I I I, I had in my head I knew that you know it was going to be very full-on in terms of time you know where because my eldest is a little bit older you know I had got to the point where firstly he was at nursery in preschool and stuff and so that literal time but even when I was with him like he would sit and do some drawing and I and I could also just leave him in a room and walk around the flat and and hope that he's not just going to just suddenly fall and smack his head on something um and so but so but I, I so I knew that that was going to be difficult it has been difficult I think maybe what's actually taken me aback and has been something that has been really hard for me that I didn't think about was um the sensory overload I have found and more and more as time has gone on, and that's probably because as Ori's got, Ori's the baby, um, as he's got a bit old and he's got louder, um, that I have found when both children are being loud at the same time, and I am a quite a loud person as well, um, but I have found that really triggering in terms of me going for, I can be absolutely fine, and they, but they do this, uh, Ari screams, like squeals, like it's with excitement. It's it's a happy thing. But when I say it's loud, like I'm I'm not joking. Like people <laughs> have said to me, like, it is quite bizarre. He, like screams, smiles, and throws his arms out. He goes, and he's like screaming, like really high pitch. And then Ruben, the, my older son, finds that very, very funny and he'll start doing it. And now this is technically very joyful, but it is I, I have I have found it, yeah, incredibly triggering. And that has surprised me. So potentially, you know, to be prepared for the, the, the sensory overload of two children um, and, and their needs both at the same time, when they both lose their mind at the same time as well, that's, that's hard. Yeah, I bet. And you, you kind of can't know what that's going to be like until you're in it either, can you? Because, mm. yeah. It was also every child's so different as well. And, you know, in terms of, I was about to say with patience, it's not that children are, I don't know that any children are patient, but not, but to be fair, not all children are as loud as my children. Like, and it's totally my fault. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not blaming them, but they're, you know, everyone all had the, the, diff, the um, different difficulties, but I do, but I do think that sort of the, the sensory and um, also the needs of two people at the same time where you, you literally can't, do, do, meet both at exactly the same time and navigating that and I think and regulating yourself is is that even that much more important um when there's two because there's almost less opportunity just to step away because especially when there's a baby it's harder to, to just walk away from them the thing I keep thinking about at the moment because we're going to have similarish age gaps mine will be a little bit bigger than yours by a few extra months but within the a similar um, ballpark and a part of me, even though, of course, we we both do this for a living, so we're very aware of what infant sleep can look like. But at the same time, I haven't had that lived. I haven't lived through the baby phase for several years now, and I've got very used to feeling sleeping, feeling feeling reasonably rested. And it's um, was that something that you were nervous about going back into it after a big? break or do you think the big break helped you go into back into it so I was definitely nervous I've got to be like very transparent here I find the hardest part of being a parent is not sleeping yeah like now I truly believe that everyone finds not sleeping very very difficult but naturally human beings and as we talk about with babies have different level of sleep need so you know an adult with a lower sleep need um, is going to get more of their need with less sleep than someone with a high sleep need. Bit state the obvious. Um, and I have got a really high sleep need. Um, firstly, and secondly, I am. Um, how would I describe it? I am. I am an emotionally available person, <laughs> and I find being very, very tired. Um, Again, I think this is incredibly common and normal. I find myself much more out of control of my emotions. And I know that myself, I'm very in tune with that. I saw it happen first time round. And so, like I say, while I felt much more uh, prepared mentally um, 
for what was to come and uh, knowing what was normal. And I had way less pressure on myself. I leaned into things so much more. I, I would contact that with joy, like genuine, like, oh, my God, rather than sitting there being like, oh, should they be on me? I was like, oh, my God, this is delicious. And that makes such a difference to your state of mind. But I was going in genuinely, like, for, like quite quite scared of being so tired again and how I emotionally would cope, especially with the fact I had an older child that I had to continue to look after. Um, and that worried me that, you know, I'm bringing a baby into the house. For Ruben, this is going to be really difficult. There is potential for really big emotions, really tricky behaviour from him. Am I going to be able to cope with that as his parent if I'm really tired or am I actually just going to lose my shit as well and we're all just going to implode? <laughs> but I think there's definitely been moments. Like I think it's about, you know, for me when I talk to people about the experience so far, it's not about it's it's not about being like don't worry about it. It's it's you know it's so much easier. You've done it before. You you will be fine. You will. Blah, blah, blah. And they also want to frighten people. And be like no, it's a nightmare because it really is somewhere in the middle. Like you're you're most likely going to have days where you do not regulate yourself very well and you are too tired <laughs> to cope with things in the optimal way with the script that you read on Instagram about how you must speak to your child if they're going through a difficult emotion. Like you're just going to have a difficult emotion back at them. And at the end of the day, the, uh, the, the best thing you can do for yourself in that is to try and find forgiveness in yourself for those behaviors. Apologize afterwards, model apologizing to your child. So therefore you're still doing great parenting. It's like it's almost worth doing something terrible so that you can model how to say sorry. <laughs> um, but you've got to that. I think that for me has actually been really important this time around is really being able to find it in myself to forgive myself for the fact that I have not been fantastic all of the time. Because at other times I have been. And I I had a really big realization this time around. That I was like, sometimes I felt almost embarrassed to tell someone that I was so proud of myself that I'd done something. Like when I'd first been out with both of them on my own or the solo bedtime where I'd like yeah, really smashed out a solo bedtime after having been with them all day on my own. And I'd take my makeup off and cleanse my skin. Be proud of yourself. Even if it feels like to anyone else who cares you did bedtime with two children. hard. Pat yourself on the back. And if you and if that the next day you shouted when you shouldn't have shouted and you had to say sorry, and then you put them down, you sat there and worried about the fact that you did that and have I ruined our relationship and uh, you, you haven't, it's all right. Yeah. That was really long. Sorry. Very wise words, Lucy. I'm gonna I'm gonna listen back to this in a couple of months and um take notes because I think you're right though. I think that we I think well. For one thing, society doesn't really value mother mothering the motherhood experience. And as women, I think we are, you know, we started off this conversation with me kind of minimizing stuff and being like, it's fine, it's fine. So like this is something that's drilled into us anyway. And I think it's um really important that as mothers, we do champion ourselves and do make a big deal of things that might appear small or insignificant to others. They're not insignificant, actually. I think that's great. Going out for the first time with your two children, three children, dog and a baby, whatever that looks like, you know, just the first time you have a baby and you leave the, your home for 30 seconds. Absolutely. That is a big deal. And you should be, you should, yeah, you should find that kindness and um, for yourself and yeah, celebrate it because we don't. I, yeah. I, I think, yeah, I have really, realize this time that it's actually really important to be proud of yourself for things that that you do feel proud of it's just especially I mean obviously you know anyone might be listening particularly as sort of like English people like mustn't mustn't compliment ourselves but I think you, I think you I think you must you know again like when you've got two three four multiple children and stuff and your time is so full and it's so difficult to find time for yourself and to do things for yourself You've got to make sure that at least you're speaking nicely to yourself sometimes, you know, because you 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 will get things wrong. But also to remember that that is that is all right. 
my God, we, we are just human beings. And and while our children, first and foremost, our children don't need perfect parents, but even but even if they and, and perfect parents don't exist, but if there were perfect parents, that wouldn't actually be in the benefit of the child because then the child would feel absolutely awful for not being perfect themselves because you're so perfect. Yeah. So I think as well, there's um, our brains. Is it called like the, the negativity bias or whatever? A psychologist would, would know this term better than I, but, but we are naturally like our brains are programmed to believe the negative stuff or focus on, you know, if you hear five things, five pieces of feedback about you and one of them is negative, you are more likely to believe and listen to and give weight to the negative thing that you've heard rather than five than the four compliments. Like our brains naturally are skewed towards negativity (laughs) you know that's like a thing so I think as well like you know I often think this about a a day I've had whether it's parenting or work or whatever in my life you know I can get so fixated on the thing that I didn't do well that I do just lose sight of all of you know and sometimes I have to go okay fine yeah you dropped a ball or that could have been handled differently maybe you were really rubbish maybe you did really lose it and that was just crap (laughs) you know like Mm. that's maybe that was like um, you, you don't always have to be super kind to yourself. Maybe sometimes you can say, "Yeah, you 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 effed up there." But yeah, also trying to remember of the other three hundred things you did well that day. Yeah, absolutely that, and that's really interesting what you said. I've I, I've not heard that before, but it definitely makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Because so... yeah, if you have an appraisal at work and you come out like often, you'll be like, if your boss has said one thing that like needs improvement you could well lots of us will then like fixate on that and not have heard all the things that you are doing really well because that's how our brains are sort of skewed and I guess it's a survival thing to make us want to do better and be better and I don't know our brains our brains are our their trouble no it's just it's just very true and then I think you add tiredness on top of it and it's like it just it breeds negativity and it bre- well, and for me, and I know I'm not alone because I've spoken to other mothers who feel the same. Like, um, it breeds sort of like uh, uh, catastrophizing. You know, it's like where you almost know you can sort of be having like an argument in your head with yourself, sort of like the rational part of your brain going like, no, but you know this isn't forever. Especially with a second child, uh, when you, your first child, you've sort of gone through it, and you maybe come up the other side, sort of thing. Um, and it's like you know that that you will and you can. But then you're so tired that the other part of your brain is going, no, this is your life forever. You will you will never not feel this tired. And it's like, ah, and it can just sort of like drive you wild. Um, but you will get through it. Like even, like I say, for me now, I'm, you know, it's so funny again with expectations and perspective, there'll be people out there who will say the fact that my baby at eight months is feeding at all through the night is terrible. Or, you know, why are they doing that? Oh, my God, I can't believe you're having to get up and feed your eight-month-old baby at night. Um, but for me, because, you know, because I, because I have the perspective of it, I think he's sleeping quite nicely at the moment. And I'm okay with that. So it's, it's, it is all about perspective and how you feel. But, um, you know, and how, how I've already come out of a side, if that makes sense. I think a lot of people that will be listening to this well some people will have one child already and they might be in the thick of it right now with that first baby and they might be really sleep deprived and really or just actually just struggling for whatever reason and thinking I don't think I could ever do this again I maybe maybe I wanted multiple children and this experience has knocked me for six and you know I don't know how and um and they might then feel quite and and look, that might be fine. That like what being one and done is is an absolutely brilliant option and works really well for lots of people. So I think sometimes that can be a process, and you come to the end of it and you decide actually, okay, I am done, and that's the best thing for my family. And I think that's great, you know. But for other people, they might still feel conflicted because they might still want that second, third, fourth child, <laughs> and then they're but the anxiety over going through it again. So what would you? Like, what would your advice be for that person? First and foremost, I'd say, like, don't overly think about your second potential hypothetical child while you're in the thick of it. Wait and see how you feel later down the line, first and foremost. 
I mean, obviously, some people, I suppose, are in a situation. I have got girlfriends who uh, went in for their second, maybe a little bit earlier than they would have done, but because of their age. And uh, there's no you know, comment here about age and when's whatever. But they felt like they were lacking in time themselves. Yeah, or they might have fertility issues or, you know, there's so many and yeah, reasons. And yeah, there's so many different reasons why you might feel pushed to do uh, too very quickly, even if actually when it came to it, you didn't feel that ready. But what I would say is that if you do feel like potentially you have the luxury of time on your hands, that stop worrying about it if it's stressing you out, first and foremost. You don't need to make hard and fast decisions at that point in time. You may feel differently later down the line. Secondly, if, for example, let's say you are a bit late down the line and you're not in the thick of it, but your baby was a very, very difficult sleep and you do feel like, I don't know that I can handle that again. Um, remember that every child is so different and that you may not have the same experience. Now, obviously, there is always, you know, the risk in sort of inadvertent comments because risk makes it sound like terrible, but you know what I'm saying, um, that it would be the same. But you'll also have more knowledge this time round. I also think second time it hits slightly less because first time round you go from like being an adult who can sleep whenever they want to sleep, then you have a child. And then even when you come out of it, you've still got a child that wakes you up in the morning. <laughs> like, you know, even if they do sleep well, you know, my eldest, I consider him to actually be a very good sleeper, but he wakes up ridiculously early. So, you, you know... I, I I already wasn't sleeping in the manner I wanted to sleep when I had my second. So that hits slightly differently. Um, you also may know more about certain things that like, if you really were like desperately, desperately in the thick of it, like is there potential that something was going on that actually you missed first time because you were a first time mum and there really wasn't the information out there. And now maybe you know a little bit more. I feel like there is so much more information readily available which I think is a good and a bad thing unfortunately I think there is an overload of information I think we are therefore a, a little bit sometimes catastrophizing certain red flags and seeing them everywhere but for example my first son was very 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 unsettled for the first six months and then I ended up giving up dairy and I'm not going to go into the story because it's really long but he, there was a huge, very quick turnaround. He is actually now fine with dairy. I think there was a sort of oversupply from excessive pumping while feeding that gave a temporary something or other. But, it, but this is me guessing what happened in the past. But basically, he was very unsettled. I went into a black hole and did, and nobody helped me. And I didn't seek help, but nobody around me knew enough to tell me what to do. This time round... I went in with such a wealth of knowledge and such an amazing um, support around me from my family and friends, yes, but also from the amazing community I'm now in professionally, uh, both obviously sleep people, but, you know, feed, feeding people in terms of tension, reflux, all of these different things. I felt very, very equipped that if there were the first signs of anything, I was just going to get checked out for it all because I wasn't going to sit in it. And I did have an incredibly fast labour. It was from the first sort of like, oh, is it? <laughs> to him being born was two hours. Um, I was in hospital for 11 minutes, uh, blue lip. <laughs> but, you know, anyway, it was very fast. And I didn't realise straight away, but Ori was riddled with tension. And actually, it only really started to really show up the first couple of weeks. Sudden, he was like very, he was quite chilled. And then suddenly, like, much more unsettled, uh, sort of refluxy behaviour sort of thing. And straight away, straight to Carmel and Faye, and literally on that first day, I've got that before and after picture where he was literally like this, which, funny enough, is what I thought all babies looked like. <laughs> mm, <laughs> scrunched up, yeah. And literally by the end of the session, he was like, I've ne he was like three inches taller. Yeah, and just um, loose and, and yeah. Freer. Yeah. And um it's been a whole long process. It wasn't like we went for one session and then it was done. Like, you know, there was stuff and there was there was learned behavior with his tongue. Like he didn't have a tongue tie, he didn't have any of that kind of stuff, but the the back of his tongue wasn't functioning quite well. And because of that, he was compensating in a way where it would, the, the tension built up again over and over. And I was doing my best and 
you know, and I definitely had moments with that where I was like, oh, it keeps coming back. Like, what am I doing wrong sort of thing? But it is it is just about remembering that these things are a process and because the baby is ever growing as well. So every time they have a growth spurt, blah, blah, blah. Long story short, I knew so much more this time round that I caught something I would never have caught first time round. And that's not, you know, this is obviously just one example, but I just think first in terms of having a second, do what's right for you. If you end up doing one and done, who cares? That's brilliant. You've got one beautiful child and have loads of fun with them. And they'll, you know, and they'll be fine. Don't socially that I believe that's discredited that they need siblings sort of thing. Um, but also just give yourself the time. If you have got the luxury of time and you're not in a rush, I love the age gap we've got, which I know is bigger than what some people look for, but we've got four years and I love it, to be honest. So don't feel that pressure that they've got to be really, really close in age for them to like each other. Um, and just remember they're going to be different children and, and you've got potentially different knowledge this time. Yeah, I think that's really good advice. I think, um, yeah, I just remember all the sort of like challenges that come up with your first. And I just remember like walking down the aisles of my pharmacist, just buying every baby product, you know, Infocol, Coleaf. I caught just everything that said it was for unsettled babies and just, and being, you know, you, you, you hear so much advice, you know, from like what, um, you know, yeah, just all of these like potions and lotions and things you have to try. You have to cut out dairy. You have to try um, giving, uh, what do you call it, like um, probiotics, all these things that, and it's like, I'm not saying that any of those things are bad, but if they're not right for your circumstances, you're just going to get yourself in a bit of a tiss, right? Or like, you know, you mustn't swaddle. You you have to swaddle. You know, th there's all that stuff. And I suppose once you've been through it before, you have a better sense of of the kind of parent you are, what's important to you and what kind of support is going to mean the most to you and I that's something that I'm really hoping and please hold me to account like remind me of this if I don't do this but I'm really hoping I'm going to be better at asking for help because that's that's my biggest mistake as a, as a new mum was I had this like stoic I'm fine attitude and I wasn't <laughs> and I was only being my worst enemy you know I just thought I had to do it all myself and that made that would make me Anyway, I don't know where that's that's a, that's a whole no, other therapy I that, session. I think that's I think that's so important, and that was a really big, and and I uh, I was the same, and that was a big shift for me this time. I was quite I was borderline shameless this time round. I would invite friends over, and then I'd give them the baby, and I'd go to the next room and I'd go to sleep. Yes, and I would, and because uh, I was like, I've got two children. Like I was like, I need to, and I know not everyone. I know this that that at the end of the day, not everyone has got that level of support network around them and stuff like that. But to whatever degree you have, and if anyone offers, don't be polite and say no. My God, just say yes. And if you don't want people to come and hold you, because I know not everyone actually wants that as the answer. I I, I hear you. But I was quite comfortable to hand over the baby and go to sleep. <laughs> uh, but I but if let someone let someone empty your dishwasher, let someone come and cook you food, let someone come and do you know do do your shopping, like whatever it might be. If you don't actually want to hand over the baby, please please accept help. It's not weak. My God, I know it's all like no, we've got to be like everyone has children. Like I, why can't I do it all myself? Well, because we weren't all meant to do it all on our own. And a lot of us don't live right next door to our, you know, long extended family um, who are all raising the child together. So, and I will, I will hold you to that, Hannah. Okay, good. Please do, because, yeah. So I think, I think you're right though. Support is going to look different for everyone and it's going to mean different things. And there's no, you know, but just think about, I suppose, yeah, what meaningful support is for you and yeah and and do you think I, mean, I have to say like for me I I had always actually wanted a bigger age gap I think that's because of my own family's dynamic there's four and six years between me and my closest siblings so for me that felt quite normal actually um and I knew I was someone that wouldn't have coped well 
with a smaller age gap. But I appreciate that there was a, there's a lot of privilege in just saying that from a age and fertility perspective, and that sometimes you know we have our hearts set on a particular age gap, and life can be really cruel, especially when we're talking about family planning. And so actually, you know, you might have really wanted a an eighteen month age gap and ended up with a six year age gap for circumstances beyond your means so you know I don't want to be insensitive to that but I have to say for me yeah that was something that I I wanted um and but was there a point I suppose for you at which you felt ready because I have to say for me it wasn't until my son turned three that I could really actually entertain the idea of having another child but I'm still not ready either at the same time (laughs) I know I mean (laughs) I'm sure there are some people out there that do like genuinely feel in every way, shape or form ready. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, because there's people out there with loads of kids. It's like, it really is. And I've, and I've, I've met so many, so many women who just seem to be like, they, they really were like made to be mothers. Like it's so deeply in them. Like I don't feel like I was born to be a mother. I feel like I am a fantastic mother in my own way but it, it may not be someone else's way. Um, Can I just um, interrupt you though? Because I think of you as a deeply maternal person, not just in the sense of to your own children, but you are so caring and generous and you know, you are such a caregiver to the people in your life. So it's really, it's really funny, isn't it? Like how you see yourself, I suppose, because, or how we define maternal, I suppose, and what our image of that as, as, you know, maybe your image of maternal is, different to what mine is or you know yeah in my head I feel like it's just a bit calmer yes <laughs> but I do I I actually think um that you are right in the sense that, and I think that is one of the things that makes me a good mother is the fact that I I I very, I've got a lot of love <laughs> I'm almost a bit overbearing <laughs> with it I'll be honest I'm scared that I will like smother my children not physically but um, with love like like and as they get older and they don't want to hug me anymore I'll make them <laughs> they gotta cuddle me um I've got a lot of love to give and uh, to my family and to my friends but I, I don't I, yeah I don't I don't know what it is but when I say I don't feel like I'm sort of made to be a mother I feel like because you're shouty and impatient. Yeah, yeah, I'm a bit shouty. I feel like I'm a bit silly. So, I don't. I, I, yeah, I, I don't really know. But I, but I do think I'm a. I do think I'm a good mother. And I think, but I think in terms of being ready, you know, I changed my mind quite a few times. So we, we actually had a sort of like miniature try for a second a year before we actually tried we were sort of going to and then it was sort of around the time of COVID vaccinations and stuff and then we were like well let's wait until we get vaccinated and blah, blah, blah. then it sort of went on and on and on and then me and two girlfriends <laughs> this is not how you should choose to have children but my uh, two couples who we met doing NCC which is a sort of anti-native course first time round we became extraordinarily close with and me and the two other girls and um, decided it would be fun to all try for our second at the same time because if we could cheat biology then we could all go on maternity leave again together and we all try and so we we all sort of like collectively went this is uh, this is as good a time as any and we did it and we all got pregnant in the same month and we've all got our second children three weeks apart which is hilarious but I but it, it within the the time frame of um sort of mini trying and then we were going to sort of like wait but we knew we were going to be trying again in the near future I did change my mind a few times I would I would ha- like like in any life situation have good days and bad days and maybe I'd have like a really hard week where where the combination of just work and life admin and having one child just felt a lot. And I was really tired. And I was like, oh, my God, what 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 if I have a second and and I can't cope? And that's the end of me. Um But that's you never you just don't make a decision on your on, on a bad day. Yeah, that's yeah. because you know, we, we come out of the other side of it. And I think I was just like, if we're going to go for it, we're going to go for it. Do I feel a hundred percent ready? No. Do I think we can do it? Yeah, probably 
Mm. Why not? Let's see. We'll find out. Either way, I think though. I think you know. I guess everyone comes into parenthood in very in very unique, different circumstances. Um, sometimes it's planned. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's a bloody hard slog to get there, and takes enormous amounts of heartache. And you know, so everyone's got these different circumstances, but. I suppose with your first, there is going to be an inevitably a sense of entering into the unknown. And so I think it makes so much sense that when you're deciding to have another child, you, the stakes are already pretty high. Like you kind of know, I suppose, like, you know how bad the bad days can be, you know how. So yeah, it makes sense that you would be up and down. And I think think people might feel sometimes a bit guilty about doubting they want a second child because they think you have to be 100% in it or you know and of course not because it's a because you know with second time what a huge decision that is and you're thinking about your other child and how that's going to affect them yeah I yeah no 100% but I, I actually just realized I think I didn't actually answer the original question which was I did always want a bigger age gap yeah yeah um, but I, I didn't know exactly I didn't have I, I genuinely because people have asked me on Instagram and I, I don't think I ever answer it because there just isn't an answer which is like well, what's like what's a great age gap it's like I don't know you know I didn't I didn't I didn't plan exactly four years I'm loving this age gap I know people that not just because they feel lack of time but they they they've got loads of time but they want to have children very very close so totally totally understand why but my gosh was it never going to be for me yeah but I think as well and I've been thinking about age gaps a lot um I think it really depends I I, sorry I think it fluctuates I think there are times when a small age gap is great and I think it's times when it's harder you know I think throughout throughout the sort of like I guess 20 year period where you are raising your kids there'll be times when having you know, I know that for my sister and I, for example, there was a time when I was, say, 13 and she was, uh, why can't I do the math, nine, eight-ish, nine-ish, because uh, about four and a half years. And we were completely in different worlds. You know, as a 13-year-old girl and like a, yeah, eight-and-a-half-year-old, we had nothing, like, we were not on the same page. And I, you know, that wasn't a great age gap time. And I probably drove my parents insane because I was just this hormonal mess and she was just this sweet innocent thing but then there were times when you know she was 21 and I was 25 26 and we were best friends and on the you know so and um, you know so there's different stages where the age gap's going to be good different stages where it's going to be rubbish same with smaller age gaps there might be times when you're really competitive with each other times when you're best best friends and playing loads I totally get why people want to get the hard years done with as well like sometimes I'm jealous of my friends with smaller age gaps so I think oh you've you've you've, ba- you've nailed that now like that's done <laughs> I, I, that that is the one thing I would say I remember as we were as I was getting close to having Ori I was like we've just got out of nappies we've got he's in a bed he's in a bit like we, we just basically passed all of that stuff and I was like hold on what am I doing? I know. <laughs> it's like we literally got to going right back to the beginning. So I do appreciate that. I just think it's the, it's the temperament of the parent. I just, I, 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 yes, couldn't have done it. No, no, exactly. Know yourself. Okay. So, are you ever really ready? Maybe, maybe not. Depends on where you are, and life will throw surprises and curveballs at you, even if you do feel hundred percent ready. So, who knows? Yeah, and just not to feel, and 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 not to feel uh, like you said, shame if you don't feel a hundred percent ready. Like that doesn't make you a bad prospective parent of two. It's just, it's a lot. Like, and there there is always unknown. You know, you can never feel totally prepared for something that is not fully preparable. Yeah, yeah. Parenthood is just an experience of losing control. <laughs> um. And and ultimately, like you know, I'm I just um, I'm very aware that I feel like I'm going to listen back to this episode <laughs> when I've had my second child, and just feel like how naive and probably yeah, innocent I sound about all these things. But um, you know, I feel like you, what everything you've said is very reassuring and good to hear. You w- you really will be fine. It, like <laughs> it's like 
I, and I really don't want people to feel like me saying that means that I've just been fine the whole time. Like, just full transparency. There was a there was a chunk in the middle. I mean, there's been ups and downs the whole time, but there was a chunk in the middle, and I could not tell you what the months were. I'm going to go for around the four-month mark, though, because it probably was, hilariously, um, where sleep was so... It was it was really bad because and and my older son was also waking up very early and that was a, that did add to it. So it was like and it even, was winter. Yeah, it was winter, which is like fairly depressing anyway. So it's dark the whole time, especially if you're getting woken up three six o'clock and it's pitch black. It's like I'm awake in the middle of the night still, like and you're getting woken up constantly through the night and then you've got to get through the days. And I I thrive as a parent parenting outside um most of the time but it's like raining and freezing and and I definitely like had periods where I was full blown on the struggle bus like emotionally like not feeling strong I felt in tune enough with myself to know that I wasn't um that I didn't need professional help um there were times when it was contemplated um but I know myself, I think because like I've, I've suffered with anxiety a lot for years now and very, I, I, just, I feel like I know myself very well. Um, and so things can be really hard without, but, but me knowing that that's still within my realm of normal, if that makes sense. And so I think it's so personal as to, it's about you knowing like, I feel out of control or this is out of my realm of normal and and everyone's base like not baseline but everyone's sort of line as to where that is Mm -hmm. so like my level of darkness during that period might for someone else have actually been too low but I still felt in tune with myself enough but it was very intense I sought as much help as I possibly could because I also think what's difficult around that period of time whether you have one two three ten children is you're out, you're suddenly out of that newborn bit and the offers of help and excitement, not even just help, like people wanting, they want to come and see the tiny baby. But it's, oh, the baby's four months now, it's not so tiny anymore. They don't, it, people just, it dries up. Yeah, we talk so much about the four-month sleep regression, but actually we need to zoom out because there's a much bigger context there, like you are saying, you know, that the, and the newborn bubble oxytocin high has worn off you're on your the adrenaline has sort of worn off like you say the offers of help aren't understandably aren't going to be as plentiful and also I think there's like a hormonal dip that lots of women get at around that point as well where you might crash or yeah have it have a change to your own sort of energy levels and and physical and you're still recovering from birth like Mm. your body is still recovering from nine months of pregnancy and whatever your birth looked like, it's still, your body's still moving back. You've still got organs moving back into place. It's crazy. what, And yet we're just expected to, yeah, to crack on, I suppose. It's just, there's so much happening at that time. And like you say, winter and, oh, yeah, it makes so yeah. much sense. I definitely felt, uh, I think now thinking back, I think it's probably like the four to six month mark. I felt a lot of pressure. There was certain circumstances with certain people I won't go into where I felt like, and and whether or not it was coming from them or it was my own internal sort of like creation, but I felt like there was a pressure for me to be me without two children, if that makes sense. But with my children there, but me of no children, with two children who are going to behave like... (laughs) you know, children that have had a governess. <laughs> if that makes sense. Very well behaved, basically. Uh, whatever that means to uh, to you. And, um, and I found the pressure of feeling like I had to behave or be perceived in a certain way so unbearable that I became so much worse in this present company um that I became totally unbearable whereas actually when I was with certain friends uh particularly like the girls who I'm going through with it to get you know uh, uh with it together um where we're all going through the same transitions together where I could just talk about how I was feeling offload cry if I wanted to cry I actually was in a much better mood but because I was able to cry with them I was then crying and laughing 
Do you know what I mean? Whereas with the people where I felt like I had to present in a certain way, I actually be- I became quite intolerable. I'll be honest, um, because the weight of it, and I just it didn't have the emotional capacity, and that was a bit of a spiral for me. And that I did, we did look into together as a, you know, um, and and we're fine now. But I, that was really important for me to work out and note where that was coming from. Um, just at, so for anyone that might feel like they've got people around them where that there is this maybe spoken or unspoken feeling like you should be at a certain stage at whatever point if you're not at that stage either try and work through that with that person or if they are not serving you in that moment that doesn't mean you're never going to see these people ever again but if in this moment you know what this is not good for me just pull back find the people that make you laugh and cry do you know what I mean I feel like I'm gonna cry. Sorry. Oh, I'm sorry, but no, I don't know bound- why. Help setting those boundaries is really hard. I know it really is hard, and I found it really difficult. It was some very, very close people, and I think it was partly when I say my fault, it's no one's fault. But it is, it is interesting seeing these dynamics um, come up, and and when you're in different, you know, you can go, you go through different stages in your life where what you need changes, and sometimes someone is better at that stage than another time and and I do think particularly as a sleep professional and especially on a sleep podcast I think it's so important to know because so many people are going to be coming on to listen to about sleep but I think it's so important that so much of the struggle that we perceive to be about sleep is not about sleep do you know what I mean yeah and that we think that you either sleep train or you don't sleep train or you do this and you do that. And if you, and, 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 but if you do sleep train, you will fix your mental health and you will fix your experience as a parent. But that's just, it's just bullshit because there is just so much more to it. And now being sleep deprived is intense and heightens emotions. It absolutely does. But the mental load, the this, the to-do list, the emotional load from having one, two, three, four children and a partner potentially that needs whatever they need from you. And then other family, other friends, all of that coming in, the need of you, need of you, what that takes from you. I've had great nights of sleep with both my children. I've had these nights where I had been like, and I've woken up and been like, ah, they both slept really well. And then for whatever reason, there was a really heavy load that day and I felt awful. Nothing to do with the sleep. So sleep is important. I'm not poo-pooing that at all and never would. But it is about understanding that there's so many layers to being a parent and to not put such a pressure on sleep being what's going to fix your life. I think that's why our growing understanding of the concept of matrescence is really important because matrescence acknowledges all of those social, relational hormonal physical neurological emotional changes that happen and and that is so powerful everything you've just said because it it is about so much more than sleep and sleep matters you and I are both people who love sleep and need a lot of it and so you know but it is it's it's and and through each child you are going through a different kind of matrescence as well because I always think you never stop being a first time mum in a way because you know you've never been a mum with two children before you've never been a mum with with a, a five I've never had a five-year-old before you know I, I, I've never had a 10-year-old god knows what that's gonna look like you know <laughs> so we're all they're always these first and these new experiences and, and yes we we grow and we gain knowledge of ourselves and our children and 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 we li- you know it's a process but we're always figuring out this really new situation and I think it's really it's bloody hard each time I know it really no, it, it really is but it's sort of like just so weirdly amazing at the same time isn't it and I do and there, there will I don't think there can be anything like being a parent for feeling two things so strongly at the same time like when I've been at my absolute like lowest I'm so tired that I just I'm like blah yet being so obsessively in love with my children and thinking they're the most beautiful 
god-given gift and it's like yeah it's a it's a it's a it's a ride um okay so i think i'm just gonna leave it there but as i said next week's episode stay tuned lucy's going to be back and i'm going to be asking her as well as lots of practical questions about how she makes things work in her home we also get into bonding and expectations of life with two so we i asked her that question of which i think lots and lots of people expecting their second feel which is how could i possibly love a new child as much as i love my first um and how sometimes that bond you have with your baby whether it is your first or your fifth looks nothing like what you thought it might do sometimes for the better and sometimes for the worse and we talked a lot about the realities the messy normal real realities of that so can't wait for you to hear that and thanks again for being here today